So if you've been around for a little bit, uh, maybe if you're brand new, we've been basing this series around the fictional character of Superman. And although he was faster than a speeding bullet and could leap tall buildings in a single bound, was more powerful than a locomotive, there was always one thing that weakened him, one thing that could stop him, and that was kryptonite. And we understood that the longer that he was exposed to it, the weaker he became, even to the point of death. And that's been kind of the springboard to some of the things that we want to talk about our own life during this series. We're kind of asking the question, what is my kryptonite? What is it that has a way of tripping me up, of weakening me? And like Debbie talked about, whether it's me on my side of the marriage or maybe some of the things that God has been speaking to me about or some of the legacy issues that I know that I'm destined to live and yet I seem to as some people say, take two or three steps forward and then, and then a couple of steps backwards. What are the things in our life that hinder us or weaken us from living our destiny, from living free or even living the abundant life that we know that God has for each and every one of us? And I want to touch on another one of those this morning with you for just a few minutes this morning. But maybe as a question to get you kind of engaged and, and thinking with me this morning, let me get your response to this question today. Have you ever done something or said something that you have instantly regretted? Oh, a few hands, few few half hands anyway, right? There have been a few moments in your life, I'm sure that if you've been any time in your adult life, there are moments that we could look to that, that we've regretted. Maybe something that we've said, and even as the words are coming out of our mouth, there's something in the back that's saying, what are you doing, right? You're going to regret this at some point in your life. You know, I think there are two sides of regrets. There are things that we did do that we shouldn't have done, and there are things that we didn't do that we should have. And I think sometimes the longer that we live in life that we find ourselves on one side or the other of that coin. I told you that Debbie and I were just in the DR a couple of weeks ago and uh, and although English is the prevalent language on the island, the native language is Spanish. And over the last 25, 30 years or so, I have the privilege of traveling to every Central and South American country, doing a lot of missions work and doing a lot of things that were dear to my heart. And, and I can speak like basic Spanish. Uh, there's enough words. I mean, I always tell people, I know enough to save my life if I need to, Right. So I have some of those things, but because I haven't been to a Spanish-speaking country for a while or I've stayed with it, I really struggled in speaking to a lot of the people at the resort, a lot of people that were helping us. And, and I just thought, man, like, why didn't I stay with that? Like, I, I get a few words started, and then they just kind of like, right? And I'm just like, that's all I got, Right? Like, I kind of say, hey, how you doing? And then they're like, oh, you speak Spanish. I'm like, yeah, I don't speak all that Spanish. Like, I, you know, like, where's the bathroom, right? Like, um, and I'm just like, oh, so you know what everybody does when they get in whatever country maybe you go to? For me, it's a, a Spanish-speaking country. You know what everybody does when they come back? They have that experience in their life. They come back and they say what? You know what? 
Man, I am going to start learning Spanish. I am going to, like, every day I'm going to study so that when I go back next time, hello, man, I am going to engage and I am going to speak to them in Spanish. Like, that's what we all say, right? Because we regret and we miss those moments that we gave up on. Just to let you know, if any of you look on the Ruby edition of Duolingo right now, I am in second place, all right? Just to let you know, like I have committed, I'm going back to be able to talk to those people sometime. But here's what I want us to learn in this idea in dealing with regret. You see, regrets are linked to control. The regrets that you and I carry, that we wrestle with, that we find, or we lack some form of control that usually comes back around and bites us. I guess I want you to hear today that regrets aren't passive, but they're somewhat active in our life. And it's always based around control or the lack thereof. I think some of the reasons that we deal with regret, and certainly maybe if we think about regrets of things that we shouldn't have done, we could probably link them to immaturity, right? Maybe when we're older, we think back, oh my goodness, man, when I was, you know, some of the things that I did, like, oh, I can't believe that. Maybe it was pride, right? Maybe a lot of guys, like, we kind of wrestle with that. It's a lot of the regrets that we have, the, the things that we said or that we did were, were based on some pride issues. Maybe stubbornness. I don't know if I'm going to get any amens in the service today, like I'm probably going to be jumping on a lot of toes here today. Right? Our mouth, has our mouth ever gotten us into trouble of some things that we regret? Right? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? The Bible has like chapters and chapters about our mouth and our tongue, right? I think God continues to know what he's doing. Maybe it's poor decision making. You know, sometimes it's pain. Like we've been hurt, and so we just kind of propagate that hurt to other people, and we snap at people, and we hurt, and sometimes, unfortunately, we tend to hurt even those that are closest to us, right? We recognize that, why did I do that? And and relationships oftentimes kind of get splintered, and and what used to be is there, and and when we're kind of processing that that, that hurt and that pain, like it's keeping us from restoring that. Why? Because we're stubborn. Hello? Yeah? And so, like, another year goes by, and another year goes by, and at some point, you're going to kind of finish out your life with a lot of regrets that you're just stacking up. Or maybe, again, kind of on the other side, that there are some things that we should have done. You know, I think as I get older, we often say in that kind of that catchphrase, my bucket list. We kind of think that, man, I'm, I'm kind of flying through life, and there's some things that that I, I should have done, and, and I'm missing out on some of those moments. You know, I think fear probably tops the list. Like some of the things that we should be doing, but we're not, it's because, because we struggle with fear. Maybe fear of failure is really a big one. Fear of rejection is probably a, a close second. You know, sometimes it's linked to the criticism that people bring into our life, that there are some things that we know that God has called us to do, destined us to do, and yet we've been a little hesitant, we have some fear, but sometimes it's the words of people that have just kind of beat us up, that told us that we're no good, that, that nothing ever good could, could come from us, or our past, or our mistakes are just too big, that, that it could never be us, and we're going to kind of end our life with a lot of rejection and a lot of regret because of what people have, have forced on us. 
You know, I guess if we looked internally, sometimes it could be even our own loneliness or laziness or comforts of, of not aggressively going after some of the things that God has, God has put into our hearts. You know, I think, you know, of our health. You know, there's a lot of joking that goes on, right? The way we live in our 20s and 30s without any regard to later in life. And then I see people in their mid-50s that are struggling. You know, they can't get up out of a chair. They can't walk, you know, to the end of the yard. That they're now, you know, wheezing and they've got sickness and disease. And we kind of made fun of it in our 20s and 30s. I'm going to live forever and I'm going to drink and smoke and party and drugs and everything else. And only realizing of, of some of those misplaced values that we had in our immature years aren't just kind of going away. They are getting stored up. Somebody say yes. And unfortunately, we have people that can't fulfill their destiny late in their life because of the poor decisions that they've made early. And they're going to live their final days with a lot of regrets. See, we miss our destiny. We miss our dreams, dreams that are never realized. We're, we're going to fail in leaving a legacy of everything that God wanted to do in our life. So I want to give you a couple of stories that Jesus told in Scripture that hopefully today will help you and I avoid a life of regret. By making some new decisions this morning, by challenging ourselves to really understand the life that God has made available to us. But it's not passive, it's active. Like we can't just hear these words, we need to be doers of these words this morning as well. You know, I really appreciate your connection with me these last couple of Sundays. I think we have talked about some really heavy issues. And really, at the end of service, a lot of you, we've come forward, we've prayed together. And, and I trust today that you'll just be open for God to speak to your heart. And it might be just another closing today where we're going to ask you to respond, that, that we're going to allow the power of the Holy Spirit, as powerful as worship was this morning, that that will just be a setup for God really doing something amazing in your heart and in your life. And if you're dealing today with regret that we're going to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is able to break that over you today, that you're going to feel just a legacy and a challenge and a new life in being here in God's presence. There's a couple stories in Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bibles and want to kind of camp out there, or maybe it'll be um, on your device uh, as part of our notes this morning. Jesus told these couple of stories, and the first one was about an individual that, re that regretted the, the gifting that was given to them, that, that they did nothing with it. Jesus said there was a man who was going on a journey, a, a wealthy man, and he called his servants and he entrusted to them his wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one. He gave each according to their ability. So I want you to hear that. That God knows exactly who you are. That God has plans and purpose for your life. It may not necessarily equal out to you and I that, that uh, our gift is going to match up with, every, it doesn't, with everyone else. It doesn't mean that anyone's better than anyone else. But God has uniquely designed you. And so he's given you gifts that should be used for the kingdom. But here's the point. The man who received the five bags went to work, and he earned five more. The guy who had two bags of gold went straight to work and, and was able to acquire two more bags of gold. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole, and he put his gift into a ground, and he hid his master's money. So the master came back and was wanting an account of what did you do 
with what I've given to you. And here's what it says, and I want you to pay attention, especially if you have your Bible this morning. This is what he responded with. He said, I knew that you were a hard man. So let me just stop there for a minute, because this is what I believe. You see, most regrets are not a surprise. He said, I knew. I understood what was going on. I was just lazy. I was comfortable. I was stubborn, whatever you want to put in. You see, a lot of times, the older that we get, if we have lived with excuses, I want you to know, at some point in our life, our excuses are going to be found out. And people are going to realize what it is for what it is. He said, I knew that you were a hard man. You harvested where you did not sow, and you gathered where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid. Everybody say afraid with me. I was, I was afraid, and I went out and I hid the gold in the ground. You see, and the master had some really harsh words for this lazy servant. He said, listen, I've given you some keys for the kingdom but you didn't recognize this was not a passive move. This was an active move. I've designed you. I, I, I know who you are. I've put these things in. And yet you've continued to just bury them in the ground or put a bushel over your head. And that speaks to a lot of us in many ways of our life. And even here in the church that God has gifted a lot of us. And yet we continue to just put it in the ground. We aren't investing it into the kingdom. And this man lived with the regret of everything that God had given him to recognize that there was nothing then left to be able to show the master. Jesus tells a story a little bit earlier in that same chapter about those that will regret not making it into eternity. And he tells a story about a wedding, which is much different than weddings happen today in, in our time, in our culture. Back in the Bible times, often that when they couple became engaged, that engagement could go on for a long time. The husband and the wife weren't necessarily together in that engagement period. When the families came together and that marriage was arranged and the boy and girl got together, the boy would often go back to his father's house and spend sometimes up to a year adding on to the father's house and preparing for his wedding with this bride. They didn't spend the night going to the movies on Friday night and talking on the phone all night. This guy had a job to do. I've got to provide for my family. And so he would go to the father's house and he would be working maybe months and months to provide for this new bride. And when everything was set and everything that was in order, he would come sometimes as a surprise to the bride that now I am ready to take you into my home. And so the aspect for the woman was is that she had to be ready 24-7 because she never knew when the bridegroom was going to come. And this was a picture of our eternity. It speaks of that time of Jesus getting everything ready. He said, I'm going to my father's house and what? Preparing a place for you. That when that is all ready and prepared, I'm going to come and get you. And so we are to be ready, yes? And so the story was is that the lady had all of her attendants and they would wait with her. Ladies in waiting. How many have heard that term? Comes from Bible times. They would wait with her 24-7 because they never knew when the bridegroom was going to come. And so they would come with their oil lamps that at night, because he could come at night. I mean, if he wanted to make it a real surprise, right, that, that kind of throw her off guard, that, 
that he would come. And so they would come with their oil lamps and they would have enough would last all night long. But Jesus told the story that there were foolish bridesmaids that did not bring enough oil. And so they began to hear the trumpet sounds. The celebration was coming. The bridegroom was on his way. And so these that were foolish asked the wise bridesmaids, hey, can you spare a little bit of oil because we're running out. We're never going to make it. And they said, we can't. There's not enough. If we give you what we have left, there won't be enough for us or for anyone. So go into town and go get oil. And so they left and they ran away. And you can read in Matthew 25 that while they left, the bridegroom came, and all those that had oil went in and celebrated, and the Bible says, and then the door was shut. And it speaks to our eternity, that without having a relationship with Jesus Christ, Paul tells us often throughout Thessalonians and, 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 and uh, Corinthians that, that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet call of God is going to sound. The celebration of the, of the bridegroom coming for the bride will happen and that we need to be ready. And unfortunately, there will be those not only outside of the church, but there might be many with inside of the church as well that are going to regret. They will miss eternity because they are not ready and prepared for the master's coming. And there might be those, unfortunately, that will go into eternity regretting these moments and opportunities they had to get their heart right. And again, whether it was stubbornness, laziness, comfort, whatever it is that kept them from understanding the promise that God had made to them. And yet maybe the most famous one for those that have been around church in Luke chapter 15, Jesus told the story about the regret of a son who cast away his legacy and his inheritance. Many of us might know it better as the prodigal son. That one day he went to his father and demanded his inheritance up front. And, and basically the wording really of scripture is, as the boy said to his father, I can't wait long enough for you to die. I want what is mine now. And I hope you die, dad. And the father gave him his inheritance. And he went off the Bible says, into a strange land. And as long as there was money, this guy was the king of the world. But it says that one day, all of his money ran out. There was a massive famine that came upon the land. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So his job was to feed the pigs and have nothing even for himself. You see, just maybe days ago, weeks ago, he was the king of the town. I mean, he was passing out Benjamins left and right. Everybody loved this guy. He was the talk of the town. But there was a day of accounting that he never foresaw. And because he wasn't prepared, because his heart wasn't right, instantly he began to think about home. And it says that he came to his senses. Man, I, if, if there is ever a phrase I think that deals with regret, that would be it. There is some moment along the line where we've said, what have I done? How could I have done such a thing. And it's in that moment that we always have a choice. 
that we can move beyond regret or we can be locked in its chains forever. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food even to spare? And here I am dying by starving to death. You see, we could call it immaturity, we could call it pride or stubbornness, but it was their choices that left them all with regrets. So let me help us in this process, because I think there's probably not any adult in this room this morning that has ever struggled with this idea of regrets. We're on one side of that coin. There are some things that we should have done that we didn't, and there are some things that we shouldn't have done that we did. So what is our response to regrets? Well, I think the right response to regrets in what the Bible teaches us is repentance. You see, what I want you to hear this morning is that failure doesn't have to be fatal or final. Somebody say amen. You see, the hope of the gospel, the hope of the opportunity that you and I have today is that our mistakes do not have to describe us. The challenges or the the wrongs that we have done don't have to label our lives forever. That God has created a help for us and it is the power of repentance. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 16 says that a righteous man falls seven times and yet he gets back up again. You see, it's important for us to determine when we deal with regret, first of all, where is it coming from? And I think for a lot of us, it comes, first of all, from choice. But I want you to know that falling down in our everyday life, and certainly even in our spiritual life, falling down is part of the pathway that ultimately can still bring success in our life. I don't think there's been anything in our life, no matter what it is, raising kids, our financial life, uh, our work, whatever it is that we haven't stumbled and fell at some point in that journey, right? In fact, we tend to learn more from our mistakes or from the things that knock us down. If we choose to, they tend to be great teachers for us to say, I'll never do that again. I'm going to learn from that mistake. But I want you to know that not only is that a choice or a decision on our time, but you'll be amazed at how God can use that time that you and I spend on the ground to do a lot of things in our hearts. You see, the opposite of pride, the opposite of that stubbornness, that, that refusal in our side, do you know what God calls the remedy to that? Is humility. You see, we want to fight against it. We want to prove ourselves. We want to show everybody like that, that nothing can hurt us, that, that I'm in command, and yet God says, I despise the proud, but I give what? I give grace. I give another chance and another chance to those who humble themselves. So I want you to know, if you've made a bad choice in your life, it's not fatal and it's not final. But it comes through the power of repentance, the choice that we have made. Maybe we feel like we got our legs taken out from under us, that maybe we're ashamed and, and we're dealing with a lot of 
baggage of which some of those choices have, have made. And man, the enemy is so good at jumping all over that. His whole desire is to keep you on the ground. And what I want you to hear today is that God wants to meet you on the ground, but his desire is to lift you up and put your feet back on the rock that is able for you and I to stand, no matter how bad it was, to be able to proclaim how good God is. You see, you'll be amazed at what God can do in you and through you when you find yourself on the ground. But his Holy Spirit and his power is giving you and I the choice to stay there no longer. Some people call it the wilderness. They feel like lost. They feel like some of their mistakes and some of the things, listen, be honest today, some of you are living that right now. You're in a wilderness, and maybe choices that you made, choice, and somehow it has spun around, and it has taken the legs out from under you, and you're in a wilderness right now. And I want you to hear me this morning. You have a choice. You can allow regret to keep you down, or you can repent. You can seek God in these wilderness moments, and I, I'll tell you this, you will come back bigger and stronger and more powerful and more believing when you trust God at the very bottom of your disaster to know that it was him and him alone that is able to draw you up out of the old miry clay and he's able to put your feet on the rock to stay. You see, sometimes the pathway to God's greatest desire for your life will be resurrected by way of our regrets of us emptying ourselves and allowing for the, maybe the first time God to come in and to do what it is that he's always wanted to do in our life. You see, our mistakes do not have to be fatal today. It's kind of a story from our everyday world here. It says that it took Thomas Edison thousands of unsuccessful attempts to make the light bulb but after months and months and years, he eventually figured it out. And he famously said this. He said, I have not failed in creating the light bulb. I've just discovered 10,000 ways that it doesn't work. Hello? He didn't give up because something didn't work. He stayed with it. And I want you to know that in our stubbornness or our pride or whatever it is that God may come knocking on your door. And rather than rejecting and pushing and again kind of realizing that I'm going to somehow figure this out, that the road to help, the road from getting out of regret is recognizing that I can't do this. But God did for me really what I can't do. And that provides a pathway of wholeness and healing through the power of Jesus. You see, I think beyond Thomas Edison even more, some of the greatest characters in Scripture had regrets in their past. I mean, think of David. <laughs> His mess-ups are legendary. It doesn't take us very far to recognize not only one mistake, two mistakes, three I mean, massive mistakes. But yet here was his response to a lot of his bad choices. Psalms 51 gives most of them to us. Where he cries, have mercy on me, 
oh God. According to your what? Unfailing love. According to your what? Great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before you. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are right with this verdict. And you are justified when you just judge me. You see, it was this humility of David recognizing when I run into God, there is nothing for me to defend against. It was me and me alone in these choices. It was these decisions. And I've tried to fool myself and I've tried to fool others. But I always knew in the back of my head that I could never outrun my mistakes. And there's only one way, I want you to hear me today, friends. There's only one way for you to outrun your mistakes, and that is to give it to Jesus. I'm going to share that truth with you a little more full in just a moment. You see, it's this God of compassion who takes our mistakes, who takes our bad choices, who takes our mess-ups, and is able to turn them from tragedy and to provide a great triumph in your life. You see, regret can draw us to salvation and remove even the darkest of stains. David goes on to say, cleanse me with hyssop, and I know that I will be clean, that I will become even whiter than snow. You see, there is hope for the regrets of our life. When we come to God humbly, when we recognize today, listen, i got to lay it all down, God, for you to do in my life only what you can do. Listen, they don't get much worse than David. And if David could feel the washing and the healing of the power of God in his life, would I dare say to you that there's probably not much more that you and I have done in which God will not do the same for you. And so you can hang on, and you can hold on, and you can keep working and fighting and recognizing you're just going to find this struggle another day, another week, another year, until finally you recognize that God has been after you the whole time. In fact, that's why you're here today, because there's some in the house that needed to hear this today, that God is for them, that God is with them, that my mistakes are not fatal, and surely they are not final today either. Paul tells us today that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Do you know how to leave regret behind? Today we accept God's forgiveness. You see, God has already taken action towards you. Today, the question for us is, will we take action to come to him? You see, maybe the difficulty in coming to the altar today on a message like this is because it's really going to challenge our pride. It's going to really come against our image. Right? What did I say before where regrets hit us a lot of times is what people say about us, what we think, hello, people think about us. And sometimes how prideful is that, right? Sometimes we think people are thinking about us when all the time people ain't even thinking about us. And yet today some of you might find it difficult to respond 
to what God and his Holy Spirit is speaking to you because you are more worried about what other people are thinking about you rather than what God's word is proclaiming over you today. And so, friends, I want you to be ready today that if you feel God's spirit speaking to you, that today is today to say goodbye to regrets. Today's not just to kind of push it back. Today's a day to let it be gone forever. What did he tell the woman who was found caught in the very act of adultery? Where are your condemners? And she said, Lord, there is no one here to condemn me. And Jesus said, woman, you have spoken correctly. And what? And neither do I condemn you. Again, some of these stories that we read about, they don't get much worse. They don't get much worse. And yet Jesus never ran from their mess. He was always right there in their mess. And the promise was, if you will humble yourself, if you will follow me, leave your life of sinfulness, right? And come and follow me. And something mighty will happen in your life. Let me finish with this thought this morning. You see, because maybe not only do our regrets come by way of choice, but sometimes they come based on sometimes our direct sinful action. We may feel we're too bad. Maybe the baggage that we are carrying is far too great to ever find relief. You know, over my years, people have said, well, pastor, if you really knew (laughs) what I did. If you really, like if we had the time to go back on, on, and they just start picking up the baggage of their life that they've carried for so long, that now has just become a part of them. And they recognize the I could nevers have become most of their verbiage. Rather than understanding freedom and, and, and legacy and dreams, it's going to be these regrets that they're going to carry far into their life of a life that could have been. Others are taking their gifts and going out and multiplying them in abundance. But because of words that were spoken to you as a child, because of people that had some authority over your life, maybe a parent, a teacher, a professor, someone that that told you what you weren't and what you could never be, just began to pack more and more garbage into those bags that you continue to carry along today. And that has spurned various actions of your life on a belief system of what other people have told you of who they think you are. And so you continue to say, Pastor, if you only knew, or I'm far too damaged There's far too much sin in my life. I feel too defined by my sin. It has become overwhelming in my life. You see, rather than allowing the regret to win today, we can allow Jesus to transform us so that our past choices serve only to magnify his powerful grace. I can't answer every circumstance about what is in our past or what hurt or what baggage that we carry. And by no means am I saying that there's necessarily just some quick fix. I'm here to tell you that there is quick forgiveness. There is quick forgiveness. But I recognize through some of the trauma that people experience in their life, there might be some time 
for them to finally feel totally free. But I want you to know in your hearts, in your story, that you are freed and you are forgiven when we come into a relationship with Jesus without question and without doubt. And I want you to hear me, some of you today, that look at some of the mistakes that you have made. And maybe like David or maybe like a lot of us, you say, well, Pastor, it wasn't just one mistake. (laughs) There was another Well, there wasn't even two. There were three. Hello? You see, and everyone carries just a little bit more weight. And what that oftentimes just reminds us is, is that there's just no way for God to forgive that. You see, it was a story we told last week. You know, Peter thought he was doing pretty well when he said seven times enough. But God says it's not on the amount of of how many times, it's a matter that we understand there is always forgiveness available. It's unending. We read it again, your unfailing love. And I want to speak to a couple of you in closing today that might feel your mistakes that have compounded themselves over and over and over. And you wonder, like at best, Pastor Jim, all I could could ever hope for is maybe someday just coming back to the baseline zero. Like my mistakes have pushed me down so far. I get that. Because we're only thinking in the human. We're only thinking in the natural. That man, my only hope in what God could do is maybe just bring me back to zero. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to take your story out of the basement and he wants to put you in the penthouse today. He's not interested in you feeling like the best I can do is just coming back to zero. You see, that's what grace is all about. That's why we sing, it's amazing grace. You see, because none of us should deserve it. None of us should get it. But the God that we serve is not just trying to make you normal. The God that you serve is trying to exalt you for his grace and for his love and his power and his victory and the destiny that he wants to pour over your life. So what I want you to hear, not only in your mind, is in your spirit, that the farther down that you might feel is just more of the victory story in which one day God wants to exalt and tell your story that I was once lost, but now I'm gloriously found And my story today is not for the back page, but my story can be on the front page of God's amazing grace. Wow. You're saying, you mean God wants to do that for me? Yeah, God wants to do that for you. In fact, that's what God is speaking to some of you right now. That's what God is wanting you to reach out to Even now, David went on to say, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a contrite heart. I want you to read these words with me on the screen. This contrite, this brokenness, this humility, this understanding, God, you can take my brokenness and not just put the pieces together, but you can put it up on the mantle for everybody to see, wow, God's grace is amazing in what he's been able to do in their life. You see, a broken and a contrite heart, God says what? He will, read it with me, he will never, he will never despise. What does that mean for you and I? 
It simply means there is nothing. (laughs) There is nothing that you have done that if we come to God with the right heart, that he will not forgive. He will not redeem. And that he will fully restore you. That's the power of the grace of God. You see, when we repent, remember that was the remedy for regret. And repentance is an attitude and an action. We have to believe it, but then we have to act on it. So I'm going to start living with my sin forgiven. And I'm going to start ministering and living like a child of God. Listen, I don't care what anybody else is going to say. I don't care what the women's hair salon gossip is still going to say about you. Can I tell you one day you're not going to stand before your hairdressers for eternity. You're going to stand before a God who said, I loved you, I've redeemed you, I've blessed you, I've given you a high place. My grace has been sufficient for you. Listen, let the detractors keep talking. Start listening to a God who tells his love and his forgiveness over your life. Oh, I'm redeemed. How I love uh, to proclaim it. Redeemed uh, by the blood uh, of the Lamb. Jesus said, I'll not only forgive you, but listen, I'll forget. Listen, I don't care if anybody else can't forget. The Word tells me that God forgets. In fact, He says, I'll remove your iniquities as far as the east is from the west. Corinthians chapter 5 says that when I come to Christ, behold, I become what? A brand new creation. The old is gone. Hello? What does he mean? Oh, I, I, no, it's not, it's just, it's not gone, gone. It's just, it's just over here to keep reminding you. No. No, it's gone, gone. It's gone. You see, the enemy can't keep reminding you of our sin that has been forgiven by God. Hello? Why? Because it's gone, gone. So when you start to feel that, again, that's Pastor Jim's words to you. You just tell the devil, sorry, buddy, it's gone, gone. It's gone. Today I know that I live and I walk and I serve and I have a legacy that's following. My stakes included are gone. Today, I'm going to live a new kind of life. You see, God no longer defines you by your past. He defines you by the blood of Jesus that he shed on Calvary's cross for us. We have been redeemed and we have been given freedom in Christ to live in abundance again. Free with a destiny in abundance with a new legacy that God has mapped out for every one of us today. So I trust this morning that you have felt the power of the gospel this morning. And as I mentioned a few moments ago, I believe that there are some of you here today that need to respond to the gospel. Maybe it's an act of getting your life right with God. Maybe it's an act of believing 
what God says over you and that your mistakes and your failures are not going to define you. That they are not fatal, neither are they final today. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. But today I'm going to come to a God who loves me. His unfailing love I feel and I experience in my life like never before. 